It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Well, good evening to everyone, and welcome to a new edition of BWE, The Talk. Let's talk about it. I am Jacqueline King, and I am so excited to be with you. I do have uh, Marcia Boynton and Dr. Jessica Jessica Houston will be joining us shortly. We have a lot of things that we're going to discuss tonight, so we hope that you have your beverages and your popcorn and your whatever else you need to get comfortable. And Let's talk about current things that are going on. And I'm excited about it. Tell a friend. Go ahead and share it on your pages. Um, we're going to cover uh, some some hot topics tonight. So, hey, good good evening, good evening, good evening, B. Lee. Hello, and uh, Miss Paul. Good evening. We thank you for joining us. Uh, tell your friends that the, that the girls are getting ready to have girl talk. So let's do this. Uh, Elder Mar- Marcia, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, thank you so much. I am just happy and excited to be here. I look forward to a lively conversation and discussion and all of you who are joining us online. We want you to join us, so make sure you you call in and share your comments, whatever feedback and whatever you'd like to offer. We want to hear from you, but I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I'm looking forward to, this, to the discussion tonight. Absolutely. Kiana, Margaret, um, Pierre. All of you that are joining, thank you so much. Please share on your pages. So I'm going to get the get the uh, conversation started. Uh, I do okay. have have an, uh, an article that I read. It it was in the root, and it says, according to Republicans, black people are stupid and lazy. Now I'm going to read this. And now I didn't write this, so don't don't uh, don't come. Don't come after me. It says, the latest round of studies confirming stuff we already knew, newly released opinion poll data from the University of Chicago's National Opinion Research Center shows that people who identify as Republican are more likely to believe that blacks are less motivated, less intelligent than whites. The survey results are also reveal, reveal that more Republicans believe that African Americans get preferential employment treatment over more qualified White. For more than four decades, the General Social Survey has studied the complex questions of American society. It is only full of probability personal interview survey designed to monitor changes in both social characteristics, attitudes currently being conducted in the United States. So that is what um, they're saying that the Republicans think about us. And, uh, Marcia, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> well, I, I think it's hilarious, uh, first of all. I think it's, it's it's hilarious, and, you know, I'm glad that I can find humor in it. Um, i I, I got to think about it for a second, though, because, you know, with the recent election and uh, the change in tide, if you will, in the culture of politics in this country, I think a Pandora's box has just been opened, if you will. But I don't think that the attitudes or the opinions or beliefs of Republicans today are anything new. I think that these were all just things that were underneath the surface Mm -hmm. that have just surfaced, and um, I believe that the Republicans may, and those who feel that way, may uh, just feel more comfortable expressing themselves. And, you know, it it used to be politically correct, to kind of, you know, hide that, that sentiment if you had that. And now, you know, it's almost like anything goes. You know, if you want to come out and say, I think blacks are stupid, you can come out and say, I think blacks are stupid. And there's no consequence, you know, there's no standard. There's there's nothing to kind of, even the, um, you know, even the programs like Affirmative Action and the NAACP, these things, I don't know if they have the same respect and uh, if they harbor that same respect from people that they used to, it's it's just 
so comfortable for people to say these things and, oh, well, you know, that's how we feel. But I, I just think it's humorous. You know, I think it's hilarious. I don't think, honestly, that it warrants really any, uh, at least not in my opinion, I don't think that it really warrants any intelligent discussion about it because I just think it's ignorant. Well, uh, I, I think it does because it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that, yeah, people have, maybe thought this for years and and now they're comfortable there is uh you know there's no respect and it starts at the head so if the head doesn't um show respect for any race or creed or woman or male then the people are going to feel very comfortable doing the same yeah. so i think that uh, number 45 has has paved the way uh, to be able to say what you really think and not have any any consequences um, to to doing that, so it it, it is unfortunate. Um, and then you know, we as African Americans have some of the most brilliant people. When you look at the inventions, if you ever have a moment to look at the inventions yes. by African Americans, the stuff that we've done that that doesn't even get talked about, gets no attention. We have done a lot of stuff, so we know that it's not true, um, and so we're not going to let it stop us or, or make us feel any kind of way, but I thought it, it, it warranted a discussion just because someone someone published that foolishness. Uh, so um, if you want to call in and you have a comment or a question, and hello, Harena, I see you there, uh, Queen Harena, she's on, and um, Joyce. Jenkins, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Tell your friends, Dorothy Green, bless you, God bless you. Uh, the number to call in if you want to get in on the conversation is 714-583-6852. And only press 1 if you have a comment or a question. All right. So, uh, Marcia, I, I do. I do want to make one more comment, um, okay. and that is, uh, you know, when, when I came up, Jackie um, and all of you who are listening, my mother was very, very, very much into history, into world history, and into black history, into the history of blacks and African Americans before we came to the United States of America. She went way back to the Garden of Eden, and she knew everything in between. And she used to impress upon me the importance of knowing our history from our own perspective. And so in when we know who we are, um, you know, we know that we have inventors and we know that we have great minds and brilliant mathematicians and scientists. And we can put it in the face of America and say, you know, look, we did this and we did that. And they may never respect the gains and the inventions and the science and the math and the physicists and the chemists that we have and that we are. I, I, I don't think we need affirmation anymore from other people. I think that that starts within our own race, that we as a people have to respect one another and to appreciate our gifts and the contributions that we have made. Um, so that that's just what I wanted to offer about that. Well, that that is that is absolutely true. And Diana Riley, welcome. First time. We, we're glad that you joined us. God bless you. Um, I agree. But here's the point that I think that we should get out of all of this. It is our responsibility, like the women uh, in the movie, the astronauts, and I can't, I'm drawing a blank on the movie, you know, the one that just came out. Um, oh, that they no, Right, Hidden Figures. No one really knew about those women. Yes. We are responsible for teaching our children their heritage and yes, the um, about the successful people that went before them because we can't wait on anyone else to teach our children. That's the way I feel about it. But, again, uh, we do want to hear from you if, you if you feel comfortable. You want to call in, 714-583-6852. Darcy Green, God bless you. Go ahead. Um, what do you have, uh, Marcia? Okay. Well, the um, first topic that I would – would like to bring up is today is the anniversary, as you may know, and our listeners um, may know, of Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. Uh, and there was a news article today where the FBI tweeted a photo of Martin Luther King Jr. with his statement, we shall overcome, 
because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And this was a quote of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. in March of 1968. In response to this tweet, there was a lot of backlash on Twitter um, from people who, you know, were of the uh, opinion and the mindset and the belief that, well, the FBI tried to bring down Martin Luther King Jr., so why are they trying to, you know, show him any honor and respect today? So I just would like to get your feedback, and, and those of you who are um, on on Facebook Live, you know, feel free to call in. I'd like to get your feedback and how you feel about what is your reaction to uh, this tweet, and it was a tweet from the FBI today. Well, you know, the Bible says that you have to forgive unless your father will not forgive you. Uh, if you're a Christian, that is what you believe, or you should believe if you believe in the Bible. So I think that it is a good thing that they did that. I remember exactly where I was when um, Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. I was young, young girl, and and I remember just feeling so sad. And then they had the riots and and all the hatred because I mean this was our this was our leader this was our icon he was the one that was going to help us to get equality for all people and it was just such a sad sad occasion and it was even sadder that um our people took to the streets to destroy our own property uh you know and that you know that will happen we you know when you reflect on it there's got to be there's got to be a better way to 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 protest. We can't continue to go out and tear up our own stuff. That that doesn't even make any good logical sense <laughs> to go and riot and tear up your community. You have to come back to that community the next day, and then you don't have grocery stores. You don't have so that makes no sense. Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, believed in peaceful protest. That's what he always said, and that's what he preached. So I say today, even so, we still need to um, be peaceful. Uh, and and everybody's not going to agree with me, but we we need to be peaceful in our protest. We still need to let our voices be heard. But 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 there's a way to do everything. Um, I I commend them for for releasing that. Uh, you can't, you cannot, as my mother used to say, you can't unring a bell. You can't, right. you can't undo the that's done. But you can, uh, in your own way, apologize for what has happened. Yes, exactly. I'm glad you said that because my first reaction to it when I saw it was, well, you know, these aren't the same people. J. Edgar Hoover, you know, was in the administration then. And it's not the same group of people in the FBI today who had anything to do with this in 1968. And we do have to forgive. You know, I mean, it was a terrible injustice, you know, a horrific tragedy to a great civil rights leader, a man of God, a prophet. But you're right, and my first reaction to it was like, well, we have to forgive and let this go. And if the FBI, you know, sends out a tweet and and honors Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., you know, with a photo and, and a quote, and, you know, we, we react to it with such, you know, such um, just hatred for the FBI, but there is not the same people today. And I think we certainly do have to forgive and, and we have to move on because it can't be undone. You know, it has happened and it's sad and it's horrific, but he was a man of peace and of peaceful protest and of love, and we have to forgive. Um, I don't know, though, that honestly, that I will be following the FBI with their uh, tweeting. You know, I don't know that I would want to be on uh, friends with the FBI, you know, to be uh, seeing what they tweet out. But um, this was shared in the news today. So we want to get your feedback, those of you who are on Facebook Live, and welcome you, Diana, who says she's just joining in for the first time. Welcome to you and to Claudia and Yolanda, everyone who's online, Dorothy Green, uh, God bless you as well, and Pierre and Grace, all of you, Joyce Jenkins, welcome to our uh, to the talk on BWE. So, Jackie, if you want to share your next topic, if we don't have anyone on the phone. I do, I do. I have a topic where I see a black 15-year-old wins essay contest on white privilege in an affluent Connecticut town. 
It says the black 15-year-old winner of an essay contest about white privileges says older residents of the well-to-do Connecticut town who caused a national debate about the competition um, could learn a thing or two from the youth. Chet Ellis, a sophomore at Staples High School, won a competition of $1,000 first prize writing about the unavoidable racial incidents growing up in Westport, which is 93% white. I can come at the issue from a young black teen perspective rather than all the old white men of Westport, he told the news, a day of receiving his, uh, the day he received his reward. The contest put on by the town's diversity council team of Westport gained widespread attention after some residents reacted strongly against it, saying it was an indictment of an affluent community that considers itself welcoming. There are no barricades here. Nobody says if you're black or whatever, you can't move here. Um, that was by a resident who was 72 years old. So that's an interesting, interesting conversation. They actually took offense um, that this young man spoke up about how he felt. Uh, 93% um, non-African Americans, and you're there. Um, that's got to be somewhat of a challenge. And so they kind of, some of them kind of backlashed on them. What do you, what do you think about that, uh, Marcia? Well, I, I just admire the, this teenager's bravery, you know. Um, but you know, the Bible says, "When a child shall lead them." I think sometimes the truth can hurt. And, you know, if we're 70 and 80 years old, we, we certainly don't see the world and our surroundings the way that a young child sees it. Even if, you know, they may think that they're not doing anything wrong and, you know, maybe they're not necessarily doing anything wrong, but the young man sees it how he sees it. And if this is a young boy, I think that the very least they should pay attention to what he's saying and say, okay, well, how can we make it better? But I think that takes bravery encouraged to do that, to, to come out and speak the way that, that he is. And God bless him and his parents, you know, who, who have obviously taught him to not be afraid to speak his mind. I don't think it's an indictment on the town for, for this young boy to, to, you know, say what he's saying. I think he's just expressing his opinion. And we, I think if there weren't anything wrong, they wouldn't be so offended. Why, why are you so easily offended by what he's saying? Um, well, so it may be maybe something worth say. looking at for that, those people. Well, let me just say that's not the whole community because it said other parents said the board overstepped its bounds by bringing up white privilege, the unseen advantages given automatically to white people in a society where positions of power are dominated by the people who look like them. So everybody did not agree with it. There were some that said that and some, um, you know, who, who think that they were wrong for for coming in that way. And we... We have had Dr. Uh, Jessica Houston has joined us. Welcome, Dr. Houston. How are you? Thank you. I am doing well. Welcome. Oh. Hello, Dr. Houston. Hello. Well, we are glad we are here. We we were just talking about an article that um, I read about a young African American young man out of Connecticut lives in a a, a, a town that is about ninety three percent white and won an essay about writing on on white privileges and some of the some of the residents got offended uh, on his essay. He won a thousand dollars, but others actually supported him. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, wow. If you want to call in and talk about it, 714-583-6852, press 1 with your comments or questions. Dr. Jessica, what do you think about that? Oh, wow. So, yeah, I'm just trying to, trying to take it in. So he he wrote an article about his experience, and people were upset, and they were upset about what he wrote is what you're you're asking. Well, he actually he actually um, it says um, black fifteen year old he wins the essay contest on white privileges in affluent Connecticut town. So he wrote on the privileges that that white uh-huh. have in his community, and okay. some people didn't like it, and others 
supported him. What do you think? Do you think he should have been allowed to write to, to speak his opinion? And and do you think oh, that people yeah. should have come? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely entitled to to his opinion. And, and really, you really can't tell anyone what their experience is like. And so he could have very well experienced what he wrote about. And so people on the outside looking in might say, you know, that's not true, but you don't know his experience. I mean, that's, that's my opinion. Well, you know, uh, when it comes to racism, a lot of people, and it goes both ways, uh, are in denial. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not racist. I'm perfectly fine because they really can't see themselves as other people see them. I have a diversity background, so I can tell you that I've seen some stuff that probably would make uh, the hair um, come up on your neck um, being a diversity manager in in the largest electric and gas utility in New Jersey. Um, but the reality is a lot of people think that they're okay. I'm a good Christian, and you know this. You see this. I'm a good Christian. I go to church. I love the Lord, but I don't like, uh, you know, John, uh, Jose because he's a uh, Hispanic. That's just that's the world we live in. It really is. Yeah, and then too, Jackie, you did say I believe you said the town was ninety three percent white. I mean, if the town is ninety three percent white, then that means the majority of things that become available would go to the majority of people who are there. So I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I mean, I think that maybe that the young the young boy is definitely seeing it from his own perspective as a youth, and it's worth mm-hmm. you know paying attention to and looking at. But if it's 93% white, then, I mean, you know, then 93%, you know, even if it's fair and if it's a level playing field, 93% of what's available will go to 93% of the population, which happens to be white. Mm-hmm. And are they willing to are they willing to do an assessment of what their community actually looks like and what their community actually stands for? So sometimes when you hear things like that, you know, people just kind of jump to conclusions and they are automatically defensive. And when you're defensive, you can't really um, give a, a, a true assessment mm-hmm. of what's actually happening because you're so busy defending yourself that you're not saying, you know what, this might be true. Right. Well, let me, well, let me just add something. It says, uh, Chet, who moved to Westport from Morningside Heights, Manhattan, six years ago, said his essay that he had not thought about white privilege until he moved to the wealthy suburb. He recounted incidences where a white student said the N-word when talking about diversity in an almost white classroom and another classmate saying he would have had an easier time getting into college because he is black, meaning Chet. And he said, I was stunned. He said, I was stunned, Chet wrote, and I mumbled something instead of firing back. Your parents are third-generation Princeton and your father runs a hedge fund, and yet you think my ride is free. That's pretty deep. See, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you it, it it all it all depends on what your what's going on in your in your household, what people are talking about. That's what molds the minds of our kids. And if you're telling your kids, yeah, you know, um, black black kids are getting free scholarships, or free going to college free, and they're getting jobs over you because of uh, because they're you know black and all that. That's what the kids are going to believe. They're not just picking this stuff up out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, uh, moving right along, if anybody wants to call on, and Cheryl, uh, Cheryl Gamble, yes, uh, I'm looking at you in the future. We all acknowledge and uh, give all staff a plus because, okay. Um, you can call in, Cheryl, if you want to join us, 714-583-6852 or anyone. Virginia Winston, welcome for the first time. Uh, we want to hear your opinions. Um, we're talking about a, a bunch of stuff, 714-583-6852, and you can press one. It's right there on the screen. 
if you look down on your screen, the number is right there, 714-583-6852. Press 1 to join. All right, so, um, Marcia, what do you have? Um, I'm going to go right to the next topic. If I could just mention Jackie, Virginia also wanted to know, um, she was waiting this morning for prayer, but prayer is on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings at 5.30 a.m., so, Virginia, you can certainly join us tomorrow, Wednesday morning at 5.30 a.m., um, and that that's on Facebook. She wants to know the number, Jackie, and the password for morning yeah, prayer. That's on Facebook Live. If you go up to our the top of the page um, under our weekly broadcast, everything is there. I don't know the number by heart, but it, it will be live on Facebook anyway. So you can just come on Facebook and click on and listen to the prayer. That's Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 5.30 a.m. Okay. Okay. Well, All right, so let's get I'm sorry. The next topic uh, we want to talk about is Michelle Obama. Now, I have to share this photo of her, but there was an article today in the Huffington Post where Michelle Obama is sporting her hair in a natural hairstyle. I think she looks fabulous. I think she's a beautiful woman anyway. You know, Michelle's going to look good no matter what she do with her hair. But I just want to um, just throw this out there and just say what do we think of the First Lady with a natural hairstyle, not a fro, but, you know, just the uh, texture of her hair was in its natural state. So do you mean now that she's not the, not in the White House? or if Yes, she now that she's not in the White House what? anymore. Yeah, she don't put the perm away, honey. <laughs> um, I, look, I think she should be able to do whatever she wants to do. She wants to wear dress all the way down her back. <laughs> yes. Right. She, she's She's not in the public eye anymore. I mean, she's not, you know, she can she can be herself. That's my opinion. Yes. Right. What do you think, Dr. Jessica? I, I mean, she looks beautiful. She looks beautiful. Yes, yeah. I don't I don't see why she would um not be able to wear her hair natural. And I mean, I I'm seeing more and more African American women Sporting the natural look, so I love it. I love it. I love it too. When I thought, you know, I thought of, you know, I'm sorry, Jackie. Go ahead. No, I said, you know, I went natural. It'd be uh, this summer. It'll be a year. So I, I, I have to tell you, I love it. It's the best thing ever. I love to just get up and go. <laughs> yeah, and and it looks good too. Um, when I saw it, you know, I, I thought of, you know how you come home from work? You know, I mean, Michelle Obama's not in the White House anymore. She has her husband back. You know, now they can be Barack and Michelle and not, you know, so much the president and the first lady. And she can be herself. So when you get off work and you come home, you know, sometimes you might come in the house and, you know, things come off. You might pop the, the, the bra off or whatever, you know, take the shoes and the heels and the stockings and all of that off. And just be comfortable and be yourself. And that's what I thought of when I saw the, the – uh, the article and the photo of her because I said, well, she's, you know, she's free somewhat now. You know, she yeah. has her life back. She has her husband back. And you know what? Um, switching up a little bit, um, um, Barack looks so happy and relaxed. Maybe his hair turned back black. No, he looks so, he looks so Because <laughs> <laughs> when I met him, his hair was
Press 1 if you have a comment or question. Um, my next topic is um, it's from the Daily Saba is what it's called. Third black female joins racial discrimination suit against Fox News Network. It says a third Fox News Channel employee has joined two colleagues and their lawsuits that says they were subject, subjected to racial discrimination by a since-fired executive. Monica Douglas said a former controller, Judith Slater, who was fired on February 28th, frequently expressed an unwillingness to be near black people. Douglas is a black, is black as our colleague, um, I think it's Tishana Brown and Tabrice Wright, who filed suit last week against Fox, and Douglas, who is Panamanian, said in a lawsuit that Slater told her that she wouldn't let her dogs eat food, Panamanian cats, would let her dogs eat food, Panamanian, excuse me, Panamanians eat. Wow. She said, frequently referred to her as her status as she was a breast cancer survivor, calling her the one boobed girl and the like that Douglas had complained about Slater's comments in 2014 and nothing was done. Fox did not immediately return messages thinking, seeking comment on Tuesday. That's heavy. But you know what? We've been dealing with discrimination since discrimination existed, haven't we? Right, right. Yes, yes. So what do you all think about that? Do you think that um, they should be filing a lawsuit? Do you think they'll win? What, do you, what are your opinions on that? Uh, see, I, I, um, one of the things I've, I've heard um, individuals say over and over is that, and I, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with this, but that blacks are always pulling the race card or minorities are always pulling the race card. It doesn't matter what it is. And many times it's legitimately a racial issue, but um, I just feel like we have to make sure that we're we're using that the right way and not just, you know, always saying it's racial. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but you know, I think that we have to just be mindful because I hear it so often, um, especially, and I have friends of other races, and in their mind, every time you look around, we are literally crying wolf. Now, I do not believe that, but I think in their in their minds, it's like we can't say anything, we can't do anything because it's going to be taken as a racial slur or it's going to be taken as uh, we're treating you all unfairly. So um, I guess I would kind of want to flip that back on the listeners and as well as you all and, you know, what do you all think about that? Because I hear it constantly, even on social media, um, I, I hear it constantly that we're always uh, pulling the race card with any type of situation and you don't get the position, uh, you know, it's always racial. So, uh, Let me ask you, first of all, are you on your speaker? Because I'm, I'm getting an echo. Are you on speakerphone? I am too. Yeah, that might be it. Did it, come, okay. did it go down? Uh. Say something else? No, it's still echoing. It is. I don't know if it's, well, yeah, I'm not sure what that is. But um, I, I will give you my opinion, and I'm a lot older than you and Marcia, and I spent 26 years um, in the electric and gas industry, and I have seen racism at its very worst. Um, I, I do believe that um, the majority of the people, there are some um, in Incidences where people are just using it, but I believe that the majority is not true. I, I mean, I believe that they, it is true. They are being discriminated against and have been and will continue to be, and I believe that they should speak out. That is my opinion. I will stick to it until the day that I die because I know that it exists. It happened to me on a huge scale. It didn't stop me from excelling. 
because I still ended up, excuse me, um, in an executive position making very, very good money with an expensive account and a company car. I didn't let it hold me back. But every opportunity that I got to speak out on it, I did. And I would encourage anybody to do it because if you don't speak out, it's going to continue. So that's my opinion. Marcia? Um, I do agree with that, with uh, speaking out about it, and I know that it happens. Um, I know that it does happen. I I think in terms of what the law says, and I don't know this well enough to, to really elaborate on it, but in terms of what the law says discrimination is, and if an individual believes that he or she is being discriminated against and they have evidence and they have, you know, their facts and everything is in line and they speak about it and there is some kind of, um, you know, retribution for that, then by all means go forward with it. I think what can happen, though, is if we allow ourselves to become desensitized to it, that we, you know, might just give up. And it would be as if all of the fight in the civil rights era and, you know, all of mm-hmm. the strides that were made by, uh, you know, people who came before us, uh, you know, have been for nothing. If we just become so desensitized to racism and discrimination and say, you know, oh, well, get over it, then, you know, we, we fall asleep and this stuff happens. And, you know, we, we have incidences of, you know, horrific tales already today, crimes that go unpunished with black men, young black men who are shot dead, you know, significantly mm-hmm. and disproportionately more than white men by those who are, you know, in the police force or what have you. But I, I think that, yes, if it happens, yes, by all means, speak out about it, because we shouldn't, you know, fall asleep on this, especially not not today in the culture that we have, in the administration that we have today. You know, you know stay alert. <laughs> that's, that's what I have to say about it. And and I'm going to say something to Dr. Houston. It's funny because you're you're close to my son's age. Might I think he might even be younger. And it's funny because I remember my kids. My uh, well, especially my son. My son grew up um, with a lot of a lot of white people, and he he really honestly never saw discrimination until one day. I, I'll never forget it because he posted it on Facebook. And my son has his own company, and he does very well. He got in the elevator, and this little old white lady um, got in the elevator with him. And when she got in, she grabbed her purse. <laughs> and uh, and it, it was so funny because he posted it on Facebook. He said, the nerve, I said, well, welcome to the real world, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was so offended that she would grab her. I mean, he had on a suit. You know, like, she cute out. <laughs> but that, that, that's the reality. That is the reality. And so you can't act like it doesn't exist. I would never tell anybody to shut up. If you feel like you've been discriminated against, by all means. But I tell you what you better do is you better document. I'm one. I write everything down. You better have some proof, some witnesses, and some documentation. If you're gonna go full fledged, that's all. That's my yeah. advice to anybody. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right. That's, Is, uh, that's you have, uh, what'd you say? What'd you say? Oh no, I was saying that's great advice because a lot of times, you know, people might just feel they've been discriminated against, and when you get ready to try to go up against this and you have not documented anything, you have mm-hmm. no proof, you have no one who can vouch that you've come to this to them about this, then it's kind of your word against theirs. And usually, I won't say it always happens, but usually when it's your word against theirs, they are kind of like, well, we don't have any evidence that this actually happened, and they throw it out. So, uh, so informing them of documenting, and, you know, noting, hey, on this day, this happened. It is really important to keep up with that. It is. Yeah. Especially in the workplace. Yeah, that, especially in corporate America, too. And that, that's, that's a good, you know, that, that's a good point. But the other thing is, if it happened to you nine times out of ten, it happened to someone else, too. So if you're going to go that route, you talk to other people who it's happened to, and you organize. That's how you do it. You don't go in by yourself because you go against a big company. You're never going to win by yourself. I promise you. I know. So you talk to other people and, and my, who experience. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I was going to say my experience with that is other people have experienced it, but they are afraid. They don't want to lose their job. They're like, you know, I don't want to get involved with this. And so that that was one of the experiences that I've had in, in that type of situation. And it just depends. It depends on how, how, how strong your negotiating skills are. You can get it. Uh, you really can. I, I know this for a fact. But, yeah, and you can't just give up on one person. You've got to talk to several people. And, yes, it's a scary, scary place to be where you might not have your job. But, but they do have retaliation um, laws, too. And in this climate, now, I don't know about this climate that we're in now. I'm not so sure. I'm talking about when I was in corporate America. I'm not so sure that I would be brave enough in this climate to do it. I'm be honest with you. I'm not so sure about it. Um, oh, that looks like my son's line. Uh, my son called in. He he asked me that women, uh, if that's my son, press one, uh, son, so we can we you can put your two cents in it. But I I know that's his number. I, I see it. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> He did. He did. I'm going to open up his mic. My son's on the line. Okay. All right. Well, good Good evening, son. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. This is this is great. Do you remember that story that I just gave with you in the elevator with the woman who grabbed her purse? Do you remember that? I, I do, but... Um, I had I had to correct that. Mom, did you forget that we that uh, me, Patrick, and Larry all got chased by the white people in the neighborhood when I was like sixteen? Like, you, I, did. I think you I think I you for, you forgot all about that. That was in the paper and everything. Wow. Yeah, I I've, I've, I didn't know I didn't know about uh, discrimination and racism really until that point. But when they all chased us and we were just trying to walk home from playing basketball, it got real in a hurry. So. Yeah, I, I was I was highly offended in that elevator, but getting chased by those grown men was was really that was the that was the eye opener, if you will. Well, Eric, you know, t- tell our tell our listeners what exactly what happened because I forgot about that. <laughs> um, we we went to we used to always uh, as often as we could. Uh, me and like three of my friends would uh, get together and go to the local basketball court. Well, we lived in a pretty, um, it was a decently diverse neighborhood, I guess, but there was this one section uh, that was predominantly white and it was kind of to the right of Hello Farms, which was about a, I don't know, three or four block radius, give or take. And we were walking past there because we were going to, uh, we were coming from Hello Farms, I think, and walking home. And I don't know if they were having like a meeting or <laughs> I can't I can't even tell you what it was. All I know is these grown men got up and started walking toward us um, and started screaming obscenities and we're thinking like, oh, this can't be towards us. And you know they had bats and everything. And so we kind of started running and they started running too. So until we got to the black part of the neighborhood, that's kind of when they slowed down. But if they'd have caught us, we might not be here. So it, yeah, it was, it was that was about as eye-opening experience as you know as it got. And I didn't think stuff like that happened in the north. You know, I've heard about stuff like that happened in the south, but I didn't think stuff like that happened up north. So that was that was pretty crazy. And I was like, I think I was sixteen or fifteen when that happened. Yeah, well, I I thank you for sharing that, son. I'm very surprised that you called in. It's a pleasant surprise. So I'd like you to meet Marcia and Dr. Jessica Houston. This is my son, Eric. Hello, how are you? Thank you for calling in, son. Uh, Anything else you want to share on the topic? no, I, I was actually just—it it popped up on on my uh, screen, and I was like, "Wow!" So let me let me look. I've, I've never actually had a chance to listen because I don't know—I don't know the schedule. You do so many shows, so I wasn't sure, you know, exactly when the schedule was. So I just clicked in and listened. I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." And then when you told the story, I was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! Hold on! There was a discrimination <laughs> played before that." So I, I felt like I needed to. You know, because you basically had me naive up until about 25. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I wasn't, I wasn't well, that Well, I know you 
You used to he he used to think I was like uh, Angela Davis. Uh, <laughs> when I was little, yeah. But anyway, we, yeah, when we're I was not going. We're not. No, we're not going. We're not. We're not going. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, no, we're not. Um, no, I, I, I just I just want, I just want to say that one of the things about discrimination and racism in general that's interesting is how how it's handled in different territories. Um, mm-hmm. Having lived in North Carolina for a, st- for a spell and lived up here, it's handled very differently. Um, in the South, it's very blatant, um, which, be, to be truthfully honest, I'd prefer. I'd much rather mm-hmm. if you don't like me, you just tell me you don't like me directly, whereas up here is very sly. Um, it's, you know, it's a, hey, how you doing? And then behind your back, oh, I can't stand him, you know, kind of thing. So it's it's very different. Um, that's changing a little bit under this current administration, but just oh, you know throughout life. Yeah, right. It, yeah, it's changed a little bit. Growing up, it was always very different. Um, even when we would take trips down south, it was just different. Like, you know, uh, people of different races would look at you just differently if they didn't like you. Like, they would stare you down. Um, and then even, <laughs> truth be told, it's actually even worse overseas. Um, if you've ever been to, like, like I, I went, remember I went to Paris once, and they don't really like Americans as is. And if you don't speak the language or try to speak the language, that makes it worse. Well, if you're black, don't try to speak the language, and you're American, it's just the worst. So the looks that we would get on trains and subways and walking around, it was insane. Um, It's funny how people say Paris is a beautiful place to go. I hated it. It was nice to look at, but I hated the experience because the people weren't very nice. And it's just one of those things that... You know, racism, it, it's almost like an inbred thing. I don't think it's as bad in terms of generational there, but oppression is is prevalent everywhere, really. It just depends on, you know, what oppressed race you are. Like in the Middle East, they're oppressed for religion. In Africa, they're oppressed for color. Here, it's, you know, system, systematic racism. So it, it just depends on where you are. But as black people or people of color, We've just got to be aware, and you got your eyes have to be open because even if it doesn't appear present, I promise you it is. Well, I thank you, son, for tuning in. Call in again for us. We appreciate you. I shall. Thank you. And we're going to move on. Thanks thank a lot. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, Marcia, you uh, you have something? I do. Um, I want to talk about. Tina Fey, are you familiar with her? She's a comedian. Um, she yeah, did the skit uh, very popular from Saturday Night Live where she portrayed Sarah oh, Palin yeah. a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, she's a, a Caucasian woman, um, comedian, actress, and she was at a discussion that was hosted by the American Civil Liberties Union on Saturday concerning access to reproductive care. And during this discussion, according to CNN Today, um, Tina Fey called out the particular demographic of the college-educated white women who voted for President Donald Trump. And she says that white college-educated women simply cannot look away that what is going on in the White House will affect them eventually. She says it doesn't affect you this minute, but it's going to affect you eventually. And this is what she's quoted as saying, according to CNN. So I just would like to get um, uh, the opinion of of you two, Jackie and uh, Jessica, and what what you feel about this. She says women's rights have come a long way in the last century. There's still a long, long way to go. And, you know, she feels like the White House is kind of turning things back on women. And she called this group out. So I'd like to know what, what you think and what our listeners think. I'm going to let Dr. Houston go first because I'm, pro- I'm probably going to close the show out with my opinion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, wow, that is – I already know you're going to go in. <laughs> you know it. You already know um, it. 
I know it. Oh, it, it it's just interesting because even during the election when everything came out about a lot of uh, what President Trump did to women, and it wasn't, it was Caucasian women, <laughs> but, you know, it was pretty much downplayed, and they just was, they were kind of like, hey, we're not voting, and this is what I've heard. I, I don't know if you all have heard similar Um but what I've heard from, from women and men of other races who actually voted for him was, you know, what he did, we don't know if he actually did it, but what they're saying he did, we're not sure if he actually did it. But they also were saying that they side more with him because of his background. And this is one of the things that I really confused me and might be a little off topic, but um, I kept hearing a lot of people say that he was God's choice. Um, and and they were kind of saying, you know, not the choice. They were saying that he, Trump was God's choice. Have you not heard that one? I've heard that several times. No, I haven't, but go ahead. Yes. So basically what they're saying is it's about his belief system, and, you know, they 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 didn't believe that, that Hillary would uphold Christianity for some reason. And so um, – so and that's why they voted for Trump. So a lot of people really downplayed it, even women. I was really surprised during the election. Like I literally, I I can honestly tell you that I turned the television off because at first I was like, okay, maybe this is, you know, she's coming back. But at one point I just turned it off and went to bed. But but yeah, I I don't I don't, sometimes I really do feel like um a lot of what happened was just to get back at President Obama, and it wasn't necessarily that um, they thought he was just this great person, but they were like, we will not let Hillary in. Um, we're going to go go for Trump. That's my thought. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Here's my here's my take on that. Um, you know, black women have, have, have been um, – Gone through so much in in, in the history. I mean, just just, just mm-hmm. stuff. You know, in corporate America, mm-hmm. out of corporate America, by their own people, by this and that. So what what amazed me, and I just be real. Why now all of a sudden the white people, white women crying? Heck, we've been we've been dealing with this crap forever, but see now you see the reality. So now you're going to protest. This is this is our world. This is our life. This is what this is what we deal with. You know. So where was you when we've been dealing with this for all these years? Why ain't there nobody coming out talking about nothing? Hello. Uh, that's my opinion. So uh, if that's what she wants to fight for, the you know the the you know. And basically what she's trying to say is, uh, you know, abortion, and this is what she's mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. saying, you know, abortion and, and birth control. But what about all this other stuff? There's so exactly. much more than that that women have to go through. I mean, I'm not, I ain't worried about no birth control pills. I'm 60 years old. <laughs> but the point, But the point is, I'm worried about the fact that my sister isn't making the same amount of money right. as a as, as a white woman, and the, and the women in general are not making a, a, a comparable amount of money to men. That's the kind of stuff I care about. You know what I'm saying? So no, no. I mean, I'm not Tina Fey. You know, hey, whatever. She needs to stick to the comedy show because because the reality is where. Sorry, stick to being Sarah Palin. Where was she when all 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 the stuff that's happening to the real life stuff? I mean, I'm not saying that that um, you know women's health is not important, but hey, look, between it's between you and your God. I'm not I'm not pro-abortion. It's between you and your God what you do. That's that's up to you. But I, I I just think that she should be out there talking about a whole bunch of stuff, not just about you know this little bit of stuff, abortions and and uh, birth control and all that. That's not that to me. There's so the the, pic, the picture is so much bigger than that. Talk about the real stuff. 
why we're not mm-hmm. making the money, why we're not getting promoted, why we, uh, the president can say that he, he grabbed a woman by a private part and it's okay. What's wrong? What, that's crazy. That is foolishness. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, but, but with all of that, he still won. <laughs> that's true. He sure did. He did, and you you are right. It was a, it was a it, that thing, this election was a black and a white thing. Let's just call it what it is. That's what it was. They would they they were angry at Obama, and they knew that Hillary was an Obama fan or whatever. They're close, so they didn't want her because she was connected to Obama. That's the reality, and you already called it, Doctor Houston. Okay, uh, Marcia, go ahead and close out. We got five minutes. I'm sorry, you said go ahead and close out. Yeah, we we have five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, you didn't give, you didn't give your opinion on it. Well, yeah, I, I uh, you know, she, she is a comedian. She made some funny jokes in the article, and I can share that when we're done. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, if, if we're going to come together and, you know, let's all be women and protest and march and fight and stick together, you know, and, and we all have something in common, and we do all have something in common, but uh, I agree that we can't just wait until, you know, the issue really hits home for a certain demographic to try to rally everybody together. And then, you know, when we need that same support as a sisterhood, you know, we we need y'all to be there for us too. So I, I exactly. do believe that we are greater together. You know, I believe that we are greater mm-hmm. together. And if we could, if we all come together as women, there's so much that we could do. I mean, just, you know, our economic strength alone mm-hmm. as women. I don't know what happened with that march when they had the day without a woman you know, um, I don't know. I have to look that up and, and see how that went. But, you know, it came and it went, and there was nothing, you know, nothing reported about it. So I have to look it up and see see what happened. But, you know, as women mm-hmm. to collectively come together and, and, and say, okay, let's make this stand or let's make that stand. But, you know, we we got to be on the same page all the time, not just when, you know, one particular group uh, believes that they're being affected by a decision that may not have anything to do with us, so to speak. So... I do think that we are stronger together as women. If we, if we all want to be, a, you know, sisterhood, let's be a sisterhood all the time. That's right. Just some it, of the it, time. It, it, we, should, we should bring all of our issues together, not just a select group of issues, because there's issues that affect all women, and there are issues that affect only some women, but they're still women's issues. Let's put them all out there and let's fight for equality on every level. That's what I I think. Right. Dr. Houston? Yeah, and I and, and I wanted to say something about what you stated about the abortion piece. One of the the conversations that I had with my sister is that it's amazing how they harp on things that don't really apply to them. Um, you know, a white man, abortion doesn't really apply to him, and, and you use religion to back you up. But I, I told my sister, I said, well, if you start walking down your lane, I think they'll change their tune. Like if you say, you know, let's make drinking alcohol illegal, because <laughs> you're, you know, let's make this illegal. Let's, let's make some of the things that you enjoy illegal. I don't think they will be, uh, you know, saying we're just going by what's in the Bible because there are a lot of things that a lot of us do that are not biblical. So they just kind of like to harp on that abortion piece, and that was what everybody was claiming. Or a lot of people were claiming that that's why they did not want to vote for Hillary. So, Girl, we can't even, we can't even get gun control. That's the craziest foolishness there. We can't even get anything with gun control because they're so afraid they're not going to be able to stop and shoot you up right. and kill you up. But anyway, that's a that's another story. We only have 90 seconds left. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. <laughs> um, everybody, all our newcomers, we thank you so much for joining us. We will be back next Tuesday, 9 o'clock. Please tell your friends, tell your family members that BWE is on the talk live on Facebook, and you can call in. Ella, Marcia, we got 60 seconds. What you got? Um, I just want to thank everyone for watching, especially the, those of you who shared the video there on Facebook Live. Thank you so much. 
Um, And, yes, we certainly look forward to being back with you next Tuesday. God bless you. Okay, Dr. Good night. You queens, and we'll be back next week. God bless you, and be on the prayer in the morning, 5.30 Eastern Standard. God bless. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.